Minus three is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it. Must be 21 or older. Minus three with Dave Damashek. Oh boy. Condolences, Lions and Ravens fans, and hi and hello. And welcome to Minus Three, presented as ever by Omaha Super Bowl 58, if you haven't heard, is now set. It's going to be teams in red, specifically the Chiefs, the Niners. Should be a good one. I wonder, though, is Football America happier for those two teams that have reached the promised land or sadder for the two teams that fell in the title games on Sunday? Let's talk about all of it. You know what? Let's bring a little sunshine here to the proceedings. It is on some level the saddest day on the calendar. Yeah, we still have the corporate event upcoming in Las Vegas where all the suits show up and fill the seats that should be filled by diehard Chiefs and Niners fans, but ticket prices and otherwise will leave them on the outside. It's like I say, you'll see a bunch of people, middle managers, wearing their shirt and tie, and they'll pull one of those Super Bowl 58 T-shirts over it so that they fit in, and you can't identify them as not real fans. Um, But... Football season is now over. It's done for. Now we have basketball, hockey, soon enough baseball. And that's what we're going to have to make do with. And we'll do our best to do it here on Minus 3. And speaking of Minus 3, we appreciate you joining us once again for the 15-minute NFL pregame show. We ran a little longer than the usual 15 minutes because we were that excited about the two championship games. And apparently so were you. All postseason long, we appreciate you stepping up and checking that show out for us, doing really gangbuster numbers, so thanks for that. And we are breezing into this Super Bowl fortnight here, as is everyone at the Extra Points Network. Speaking of which, our guy joining us right now to break down the Lions' heartbreak, the Ravens' heartbreak, the successes of the two teams that came through clean on the other side. He is one half of Lemon Pepper Parlay. His pal, Mark Gunnels, is off celebrating somewhere, surely still drunk after watching Mahomes slash Thanos do his thing to another superhero quarterback who was powerful, but not powerful enough to break the snap that is inevitable. It is the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm talking, of course, about Detroit slash New Orleans' own Martin Weiss still basking in the glow of his Wolverines, but surely a little less joyous today. Now that the Detroit Lions have fallen. How are you, Martin Weiss? I'm doing well. I'm not doing nearly as well as Mark Gunnels is, though. Not no. doing nearly as well as he is. We watched the game together last mm. night at Jalapeno Pete's in Studio City, which was a Chiefs bar, which was packed wall to wall with the Red Kingdom. And uh, I, I was behind enemy lines as I had picked the Baltimore Ravens. But, I, just, you know, it was, it was good vibes had by all. But uh, Eddie put in the chat just now, literally drunk. Yes, Mark Gunnels was quite literally drunk watching that game, both in emotion and in alcohol consumption. Yeah, I don't know if anyone on the Ravens was drunk, but there were moments there that they were a little out of control. That much is clear. But I want to jump to the NFC game and start it off there. You have in your family lineage some Lions rooters. So let's tap into that visceral pain. I, I'm not trying to... Enjoy. I, I I go on and on here. Obviously, if you've listened to minus three once or ever, you know, I, I, I am one of society's foremost empaths. I make fun of the digital empathy 
that is extended to the quarterbacks. I feel so bad for Josh Allen. And now I feel so bad for Lamar Jackson. I legitimately do feel bad. I know I root against the Baltimore birdies regularly, but I do feel bad for their fan base. What a, it was supposed to be a coronation first home title game in, in what was it? 52, 53 years. They brought Ray Ray out who, by the way, took the uh, took the opportunity to celebrate Ray Ray as Ray Ray typically does. He showed up not in Ravens gear, but in Ray Lewis gear, Ray Lewis. <laughs> so talk about wearing, you know, it's a faux pas supposedly to wear the band T-shirt to go see the band. I think it's even worse for him to go see the team, but not wear the team stuff, but wear the you stuff. That's a that's an extra layer of weirdness, right? I mean, he had literally a silhouetted thing of like him doing his Captain Morgan's uh, raised leg thing and 52. It's like his own personal apparel thing. That's what he was doing, not celebrating the Ravens. Anyhow, they fell. And I do feel like, I mean, I know I keep talking about it, broken record and all that. But after year six, no matter how powerful you are as quarterback, the 21st century history says that your chances of getting to and winning the big game go down significantly. The sweet spot is being the real deal QB, but still being on your rookie deal or in the early um, portions of your second big time contract. Lamar Jackson's kicks in heavier in 2024. So does Josh Allen's. That's why their chances of getting back to the Super Bowl go down significantly. And there is Patrick Mahomes. How did he do it? Great drafts. I know that's not the greatest answer in the world. And he is... I think he had a significant role in it, but let's not sleep yeah, on. I think so too. I mean, listen, but 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 do you agree, Martin, that I that it was the great drafts of the last couple of years that kept Mahomes and company for all the hand wringing about the hands of the pass catchers on the Chiefs? It was that defense that carried the day pretty much all season long when the Chiefs were scuffing along, scoring 19 points a game and all of that. They were hardly Mahomesy and in that regard, but here they are where they usually are in the Super Bowl. And I think that's the puncher's chance that all the other superhero quarterbacks on the AFC side of things um, have. They got to draft well to flesh out those rosters because big name free agents are going to be hard to attract or to attract. But back to that Lions game. What do you think? Are you more sad for the Lions or happy for the Niners right now? No, I'm definitely not happy for the Niners. Like definitely not that, that that doesn't even qualify. But I think when when you have a game like that, in which I mean, my phone was jumping by halftime with people trying to book tickets to Vegas, talking about where we're we gonna stay, Airbnbs, mm. and then by the fourth quarter, it was just it was silence. I I wonder if the phone even still works. So it was it's it's one that uh, you know, you, you got to get invited to the dance before you can even pretend about thinking about taking the girl back from the party, right? You got to be invited. You got to have a ticket. And the Lions got a ticket. But it's just everything was going so well until the clock struck midnight. And then all of a sudden, there, there's somebody spiked the juice and, and, you, and you're passed out on the floor. And now everybody's laughing at you at your first dance ever. Like, that's kind of the way this whole thing went down. Like, it was, it was a moment in which that felt so close to completion, but that's why they play all 60 minutes, Dave. That's the whole point. It doesn't end until the clock has three zeros on it. And this, I mean, I know that's a step one we'll talk about earlier, but uh, you had Kyle Shanahan who never came back from a deficit 
for like his entire freaking coaching career. And then back to back weeks, he does it. And it's hard to argue the reason why. And the reason why is Brock Purdy, which, you know, wow. Well, I know Purdy is going to be buzzed about. I've been around Super Bowls before, and the guy who's the quarterback of one or the other team gets a fair amount of buzz in the run-up to the Super Bowl. I'm predicting that, and I'm and I'm fairly sure that that's the way things are going to break here. Before all that, though, I mean, like, and and now everybody's talking about Dan Campbell, and I completely get the math of like dance with who brung you, not just in terms of personnel, but in philosophical approach so should dan campbell have taken a hard right turn from the way he had done things all season long i mean in the moment all i can say is i understood how dan campbell i think i saw most every second of the detroit lions 2023 season and i know that they had their foot on the gas and i appreciated that and it's exciting and i'm sure it's fun to be a member of that team when you have a head coach who is exhibiting that kind of confidence and that sort of aggression and all that in that moment, though, I, I mean, it, it made all the sense in the world that it was a short enough field goal and the circumstance of the game. I get the foot on the gas approach, but not there. They should have kicked the field goal. It's that simple, right? I mean, is there any question now except that, well, their kicker has had his issues. And if that's an issue in the title game in January of 2024, then you're doing something wrong in terms of personnel. Obviously, you I mean, have a crazy it's the second kicker they've had this year like it was but again when you watch the lions you know that that's what they do they just they're just going to go for it and you know now he's it's it's funny because all season you have the lions are in a weird spot because the analytics and their people love him going for it on fourth down but then they took an inside linebacker and a running back and a nickelback in the first three in the first two rounds of the draft. So they absolutely hate that. Got F's everywhere across the board there. Hmm. So now it's kind of just thinking backwards. Like now, now what do they do? I would have preferred them kicking a field goal, but part because when you have the lead like that, just keep scoring points. Just keep scoring That's points. All. Like right. Because ultimately what you need, because I always try to do this. Whenever you see a team jump out to a big lead at the end of at the end of like the first half or first quarter, something like that. We know the majority of football games end between like 24 and 40 on the final score. Like you very rarely do you see a guy a team score 50 something points. And you know, it's much more likely you'll see a, a, a 24 to 20 game than a 50 to 24 game, right? This just games aren't going over that much. So I kind of think about how it's almost like if you're a boxer or whatever, you start scoring early in the early rounds, but you didn't let your hands down. And then, boom, all of a sudden, now this thing is tied back up and you're rolling into the 11th round. So I would have preferred to just kind of tack some more points on, keep scoring, keep scoring, keep having productive drives. But would the Lions have even gotten to the NFC Championship game had Dan Campbell not been Mr. Foot on the Gas, yes. on gas, no break? Yes, is the answer to that question, I think. that's I'm having it both ways. And by the way, I mean, there's no proof of this, but... I, in that moment, I thought you got to take the three here, coach. You got, I know what your profile is and the whole approach. And But listen, you got to kick the field goal there. Go up three scores. You only have to burn 20 more minutes. And it's not the equivalent of trying to run the clock out. I get what you're saying because it is adjacent to like, let's just keep that clock spin. What you're doing is that the, the important factor there is three more points. It's not, yes. you're not merely gaining fewer seconds left for the Niners to rally. You're making it that they need an extra possession to catch you. And that workaround is, is hard to justify, not 
taking those three because I get even if you have doubts about the kicker and everything else. Again, in the 21st century, the the great likelihood is that that guy, despite the struggles, is going to put that one through the goalposts. And now you're up three scores and it's going to be very difficult to lose the game in that spot. So I thought that was definitely a mistake. And I, you know, I have another question for you where Dan Campbell's concerned going forward, because I think that for all of the attempts to like to the, the faux kind of empathy that you hear coming out of the broadcast booth in the final seconds of a humongous game is Tony Romo or otherwise like, Hey, nothing to hang their heads about great season and the future's bright and all of that. That's just trying to be a nice guy in a glancing way. Like, don't be too bummed out, Ravens and or Lions fans. Your team's still going to be good, and don't be bummed out. Remember the good times, and don't be sad it's over. Just be happy it happened and all those kind of odds. But Dan Campbell told the cold truth. That might have been our one shot. The likelihood is that Dan Campbell is right. So given that that's, and I always say, oh, they have nothing to hang their heads about. Yeah, they do. They just spent the last year doing this to try and get there. And they almost did it, but came up a whisker short. Yes, of course, unless they're robots, they should be devastated by that. That would be the appropriate human response. So as far as that goes, sorry, Lions fans. Where does this one rank, Martin Weiss? In the all-time pro football pain rankings. You know, we should hit up Dan Hanzoos, who's done a lot of great work in this field as well. But I mean, for one-off games, I'm not talking about pain franchises, but they are one in the same. Like the Falcons, 28 to three in the Super Bowl against that team, you'll never be back in that spot again. And I would also throw out among the more painful losses, ironic or otherwise, and maybe 31 franchises don't want to hear about this, but the Patriots are never again, whatever else they could have ever done with Brady and Belichick and all the rest of it, they almost went undefeated and they could never get back there again. They just were never going to be in that spot and the Giants destroyed that. Who else? I mean, the pain, the worst teams to root for in history are the Bills, the Browns, the Lions, and now we have another chapter why it's tough being a fan of one of those teams, right? So the thing about these is is there's there's several categories of ways that these can burn you. Because my first thought when you say this, it's it's uh it's when Nickel Roby Coleman tackled Tommy Lee Lewis in the NFL in the NFC divisional round in New Orleans in the Superdome in the worst non-call in NFL history. Because like again that Rams team went on to score three points in the Super Bowl, right? Three points in the Super Bowl. I have a feeling that Drew Brees and a Sean Payton-led offense will score more than a field goal. Just look at the history. like uh, just that's So take that aside. Sean McVay and them had no business being there. But that's not necessarily – and I know. They went to overtime and they got the ball back. I don't know. They could have won the game right there. They would have won the game right there. And I and I plan my flag on it. I don't want to hear anything other to the contrary. Okay, that's but, you. I, does that make the does that make the top ten? I think it maybe does. Saints but, but losing see, the to the Rams too, but, at home is maybe one of the ten most painful losses for a pro football but fan. But see, you can point it very pointedly at Bill Vinovich, who will be calling this year's Super Bowl again. There's no mm-hmm. accountability in NFL officiating. Just remember that every time you place a bet. But um the thing about the Lions one and the thing about another Saints loss that you referenced earlier off the air, the Minnesota Miracle. This is the one that makes me feel about the Minnesota Miracle because that was 
Stephon Diggs was wide open, and then all of a sudden, all you had to do was make a tackle, Mike Williams. Instead, he tackles his own cornerback. Therefore, Stephon Diggs runs into the end zone, has that famous moment, ripping his helmet off, crying tears of joy, just to go and get store blasted by Nick freaking Foles and the RPO, right? The Saints, again, that's another one. But that one you can blame squarely on the players and the coaches out being out there and boneheaded mistake. That one, so it's two separate categories. It's, it's one is you well, Wait, 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 yourself. wait, wait. Because I think if we're on that year, we also have to throw out, because I think that's in the top five or six toughest losses to experience. Talk about the unrepeatability of a moment is the, uh, is Keenum hits digs, big celebration, singular, wonderful moment for all of time. But then that puts... Um, the Vikings in Philadelphia, now 60 minutes away from what would have been the first ever home playoff game for a football team. Minnesota Vikings, 60, win this game. We get to play at home right back here. They're celebrating against uh, against the Saints. Stephon Diggs did it. Now we can just beat those Eagles next week. We'll be right back in this very place for the Super Bowl. It's so close. We can taste it. And then the Eagles beat you. And then all of their obnoxious fans come to your town for the next week and celebrate and mock you with the skull chant. And then they win the Super Bowl in your stadium that could have been you in that same spot. That is a spot you'll never get back. That has to haunt you if you're a Vikings fan forever. So, but which one is worse though? Which one is worse? Because you have those singular moments like the Minnesota miracle or like the Bills 13 second drive or the Chiefs 13 second drive against the Bills or the slow leak of having a 24-point lead or 21-point lead at halftime, but or, or, or like the Falcons have a 25-point lead at halftime, and then all of a sudden it just chips away and chips away and chips away. Or do you like the Mike Tyson knockout punch in the moment where it matters the most? I mean, the the how critical the moment is in, 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 you know, as far as the season goes and kind of what the air is for the two teams playing. Like I say, you know, you have to know, like, as I said, you know, if you're undefeated, whatever else you do, the, and the new England Patriots, whatever their deeds, they're never, they have to know Tom Brady, Belichick, and everybody's like, we ain't going undefeated all the way through the regular season and the playoffs to get to this spot ever again. And so it's that, it's that moment that is now gone forever. So I think it's it's that. It's if you're like a if you're a Bills fan, you at least can fall back on like, well, Jim Kelly's still in his prime, and maybe we'll get back here again. And so they did three more times and suffered over and over and over again. But if you're a Josh Allen Bills fan, you probably can you can probably uh delude yourself into thinking, like, ah. He's got 10 more years, man. We don't not got nothing to worry about. Same goes for a Ravens fan. It's when you're in that moment, you know, Case Keenum's our QB. We ain't ever getting back here in this situation. So I think th those are the worst ones. I wonder if the Falcons fans felt like, oh, well, we'll run it back next year. We got the MVP, Matt Ryan. So I guess it's not that bad. Or did they know like this was our one shot? This was it. I think Dan Campbell knows the Lions ain't getting back to this spot again, right? Well, I think he knows that it's not guaranteed. Like we talk about these things that like like they're like it's a definite. Like and and to be fair, San Francisco, if they said we'll be back, they would have been right. 
know, like Kansas City. They say we'll be back. They would have been right. But look at some of the teams that have fallen along the wayside. Uh, the, the Los Angeles Rams, right? Their team, you know, thought, oh, maybe we'll get back here at Super Bowl. Now, I think one playoff burst since then, Cincinnati Bengals, their season went down the drain as soon as Joe Burrow grabbed his hand on Thursday night against Jacksonville, right? Thing was over with, well, honestly, in, in training camp when he started grabbing at his calf. You know, so when you look at Honestly, to me, it's the Ravens, though. The Ravens, the Ravens, I know the Lions had the the slow burn loss, but this was the best Ravens team. And it's like there's some metrics that have it as one of the best teams of all time. I mean, look at just look at the scores of how they pounded some of these teams in the NFC, especially Seattle and Detroit uh, uh, at home in MNT Bank. But the thing is, it's just when you're going against, like you said earlier, Thanos or just it's death taxes and Patrick Mahomes and the inevitability of it. Like there's some play, like some of the plays that he made on Sunday afternoon, especially like the ones that are sliding over and throwing it back to Kelsey across the middle. And it's like we know it's all going it's going to Kelsey or even MVS with the adjustment to make that game ceiling catch. Like where in the world was that all year? It was nowhere all year. It, it was a bigger plot twist than I see dead people in, uh, in the sixth sense. Like, it, it was one of the, like, to know that you got so close. You had, and it was all in front of you. And it's like, you know, it was a moment. I tweeted it at the time. I was like, Lamar's going to have to put this team on his back to get this thing done. And it just proved to be too heavy in the moment offensively. He didn't run the ball nearly enough. But all of that is happenstance because it didn't it, – it wouldn't have even mattered because Patrick Mahomes is on the other side of it. Everybody in the AFC is playing for second place. I mean, largely true. And if you're feeling bad for Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen and Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert and everybody else, as a reminder, and I will keep saying this in the Super Bowl era, I mean, in the 90s, Troy Aikman had to get by Steve Young and Brett Favre, and the other two had to get by Troy Aikman and uh, and the other guy. So these things have existed, you know. Uh, Snake Stabler had to work his way around the Mighty Dolphins and the Steel Curtain and Terry Bradshaw and the New England Patriots and all the rest of it. I mean, the, the, the idea that this is like, boy, imagine it's really bad luck being a QB. Now, the other side of it that makes it really fascinating is that it's a completely different story on the NFC side of things. That reality only exists weirdly in the AFC, it's all the good quarterbacks are on one side of things. And then on it's the difference between the pitchers hitting in the National League and the designated hitter in the other league. It really is two completely different standards on the AFC side. You better get one of them QBs on the NFC side. You better get one of them fancy progressive offensive coordinators. And I think that is what's going to undo the Lions more than anything else. Dan Campbell became the face more so than any of his players with all due respect to, to golf and blue haired St. Brown and all the rest of them, the face of this lion's, rise the last couple of years as their head coach. Let me squeeze in a quick break here. You know, when the conversation turns stampers, I always go with my number one as Caesars. Let's talk about them a little bit, shall we? Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns rewards credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, register using this code. Listen up, Omaha Full. 
the word Omaha, and the word full. And then you place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great. If you keep those winnings, but if you lose, you'll get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and over only. Offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. New users and first $10 plus wager only. Must register with eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager. Returned only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet, $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start gambling problem. Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino. Call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or West Virginia, 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Let me ask you this, though, Martin Weiss. Would you rather, I'm going to give you an option. You got to get rid of one or the other. Dan Campbell or Ben Johnson slash Aaron Glenn. You can only keep one of those two. You can either I'd keep the have, two coordinators or Dan Campbell. I'd rather have Dan Campbell. Hmm. I'd rather have, to me, that's not, like, and plus, dude, that's part of a coach's job. Like, it's part of the head coach's job. You have to be able to hire and fire assistants when it's appropriate, right? Like, and as long as you have that power in your organization. And you look at the 49ers, what has been the constant? Kyle Shanahan. They've had all types of offensive coordinators, all types of defensive coordinators, all types of QB coaches. Brian Greasy was calling games. Now he's on the sideline working for for, uh, for Kyle Shanahan. That's part of the job as the head coach. You have to be able to evaluate your, your assistants and hire good assistants. So I think that Dan Campbell has shown that he's done a pretty decent job at that so Is far. that Siri? Aren't, aren't you kind of this blur your eyes, obviously? Nick Sirianni isn't built like Dan Campbell. But aren't we talking about what Daniel Jeremiah a couple of weeks ago on the show referred to 
as a vibes guy. Isn't Dan Campbell the vibes guy? And then the guys who are doing the X's and O's are the actual heroes of that Lions team, specifically I mean, Ben look, Johnson. No, oh, first of all, I get the, that the, Dan Campbell deserves a ton of credit because that was a bum, miserable franchise, and he made him feel good in the town felt good and excited like this guy isn't going to fall down on us this time because of that guy so maybe i'm uh devil's damn a check in my own point sorry i got in your own yeah but i mean look something the vibe the lead singer is the vibes guy like the lead singer is supposed to be the guy that has the vibes and the sex appeal and has all the ladies screaming in the crowd like just because don't get me wrong the drummer is doing crazy work the guitarist also but the lead singer is the guy that's supposed to be doing this and maybe he doesn't even play guitar maybe he doesn't even play the drums but you know what he doesn't need to because he found the guys that can do it around him and, and, and accentuate his his vision and his way of things going do you talk about nick sirianni well it's also you can blow your eyes and look at uh, look at mike tomlin or john harbaugh you know, some like these are guys, they're not calling plays on a day in, day out. They're not, they're just telling their assistants what to do and the way they want it to be done. And I think that's what Dan Campbell has found as, as well with his guys. I mean, I'm not going to, I don't want to get lost in the weeds. Mike Tomlin does, uh, uh, by all accounts, does way more day to day teaching, coaching. But yes, I follow your, your larger point there. Um, the, um, I, yeah, it's it's a tough one because I do think they're going to fall back because so much of it was it's yes, Dan Campbell's like hit the gas, but Ben Car Ben Carson Ben Cam- uh, Ben Johnson is the guy. I think Ben Carson would probably be a bad offensive coordinator if if, if Dan Campbell hired Ben Carson, I'd be shocked. <laughs> that would be weird, but I don't know. He's been putting some weird jobs before, so I don't. I, I guess who am I to to weigh right. in on all of that? Okay, let's finish. The, we, we have several things we have to get to here. But quickly, Eddie Spaghetti, jump in if you if you have any that I'm missing here. Worst, the most painful losses of the Super Bowl era. Let's just see if we can get the five here. I'm gonna go with I know the drive hurt Browns fans, but the real killer was the Ernest Biner fumble. That was the reckoning. It was gonna be made right a mile high when Ernest Biner ran that one in and somehow he drops that ball and the Broncos fall on it and the Browns bounced it again. I think that's gotta be in the five most painful losses. The account Scott Norwood, I don't think so. I think it hurt, but then if you're a Bills fan, like I said, I think you go like, we should get back here. And so they did. So I think that's a bad one, but maybe not as devastating. I think the one that in the moment, which was disproven immediately after, because then they let Billy Cundiff go and replace him with Justin Tucker. But I think in the moment, you had to feel as a Ravens fan when Lee Evans drops that touchdown pass, and then Cundiff shanks a uh, 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 field goal from, from three feet away. I think you had to feel like, we had this game won against the dynasty. We're never going to be back in this spot again. And that dumb kicker blew it for us. So I think that one would have to be on there too. Any others I'm forgetting there? Uh, why? I mean, say 20. Yeah, the 13 seconds, Tyree killed the 13 second drive. That, that one right there, it qualifies. I think the theme here is when you have the opportunity to vanquish the king, right? You have, it's right there within your grasp. It's right there. And then all of a sudden, 13 seconds later, Tyree Kill is doing a backflip and a peace sign as he runs into the end zone, ruining your season. You know, again, you, you could do it all Buffalo probably. Cause I mean, wide right this time was pretty damn bad too. You know, even though 
they would have got the ball back with a minute and 45 seconds left. So it all depends. It's kind of like a pick your poison of how would you like to have your heart ripped out and stomped on the street uh, uh, if you're a Buffalo Bills fan? Because well, how about 35 to three? We always talk about 28 to three, but because the Bills didn't win the Super Bowl. But imagine you're the Houston Oilers and you blow that one, especially Warren Moon's flame outs, not Warren Moon specifically, but the Houston Oilers of that era just couldn't get over the hump. But finally, we're going to do it. And then the then Frank Reich, the backup QB, does that to you. That one's got a sting in a way. You know, it's those ones when you're chasing history. If you're the Steelers in 1976, I didn't experience this. I wasn't uh, alert at the at the time. But I got to think, like, we've won two straight Super Bowls. Now we're going for a third, and it looked bad, but now our defense hasn't allowed a touchdown in the last uh, in the last four months or whatever it was. And then both your running backs are hurt in Oakland and you lose to the Raiders. Like you just never get back in a shot in a position to win three straight and make some history. So that one's got same thing with the Niners losing to Leonard Marshall and the Giants in 80. That that team goes down as the greatest of all time. And then Marshall sacks Montana. The ball's fumbled. Uh, Barr makes the field goal. And that's that. I think that one is like that. That the the really great teams ironically or otherwise are the ones who have suffered the most inside like the one the the single most painful game ever as a fan base is the Packers losing to Russell Wilson Seahawks Rodgers is gutting it out on that bad calf or whatever it was and they're down then he rallies them and then those crazy fluke after fluke in the second half um, in Seattle, the Seahawks are chasing their second straight Super Bowl. I think that one's in the pantheon too. The 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 fourth string tight end fumbles and uh, an onside kick, the last onside kick in the history of people that was ever actually that actually ever will work out again. Bostic. That was the last one ever in the fluky two point convert. All that crap. I think that one's got to be on the list too. What else? Any other ones that we're forgetting here? Spaghetti. That's what I, I want to be completionist. The the one I wrote in the chat, um, I'm not sure if you guys brought it up, was the 13 second loss. Oh yeah, the, yeah, yeah, we got that. Yeah, okay, just making sure my my brain is mush today, but uh, yeah, that one to me is recently, um, which also heightens the powers of the Chiefs because you have Josh Allen, who's basically been the most consistent great foe True. for Mahomes, but still always ends up losing because of just again his his Thanos level powers. So that one to me is devastating. And uh, you know, Bills fans probably would wish if that Bills fans say if they had that game, they would have felt good about winning the Super Bowl. So uh that's why that one stings. I think that's a pretty good one. Yeah, you're 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 right about that. And we went on and on last week about Danny White and these inflection moments uh that define individual careers and eras for full teams and for the league at large. And so let's get into some of those. Shall we, Martin? And I'm going to start off with a couple that react directly off of what we saw in Title Week Sunday here. What if the Niners had lost that game? Are Niners fans, is Football America now saying like, Brock Purdy was a cute story, but they got to fix that quarterback position and they got to upgrade it before next season? I mean, outside of, I, I think that absolutely, I think he had the most to gain this uh, this postseason as quarterback. And uh, he pretty much gained it, I think, right here, right now. I mean, obviously, it still depends on what happens in the Super Bowl and how he plays in the Super Bowl. But his – because he he did what you expected Lamar Jackson to do yesterday. 
Like with some of those runs, like just putting the t- like literally just converting first downs, like keeping the ball, keeping tribes alive. You know, he played his tail off yesterday, and is one of those that is uh it will go down as as a crazy because we've seen the 49ers move on from quarterbacks. We've seen them send Jimmy Garoppolo away, and all he did was get to the Super Bowl. I wasn't the biggest fan of his. I thought it was kind of holding the team back. But for a lot of time, you could have pointed at Brock Purdy as being like just a fine, functional player, right? And part of the reason why there's so much pushback on Brock Purdy is because for half the season, people were saying that he was actually the MVP of the league. There's a long line between being a fine player and being the MVP of the league, right? And so, but now what we have seen both in that last drive, because he did not play well against Green Bay Bay until the last drive. In that last drive against Green Bay, boom. In the second half against the Lions, boom. Like, those are moments that you can point to. And if you're a Brock Purdy fan or Brock Purdy dissenter, you can't take those away. It was on the biggest stage and one of the biggest moments in the biggest game of his career up to this point. And if he had played, if he had continued to throw interceptions to Malcolm Rodrigo, you might be having a conversation about, well, well, what are the 49ers going to do at quarterback? I, you know, I know this is a little crazy and I know he's your hero right now for the next two weeks, at least Niners fans. But I think if if he stinks it up in that one, I wouldn't say that that conversation is 100 percent over that definitely that Kyle Shanahan wouldn't tinker. We've seen the Niners, a completely different regime and everything. But, you know, Jim Harbaugh a decade ago pulled the plug on Alex Smith, who was doing just fine in favor of an upgrade. So I don't think it's implausible that the Niners, even in getting to this Super Bowl, depending but on let's what he does. Let's say NFL, if Jordan Love doesn't throw that ball to Jerry Greenlaw and it ends up being a touchdown and the Packers win that game, that conversation is definitely happening. Right. It's definitely right. happening about Brock Purdy, but you can't. That's what I'm saying. If, if you're on the, the anti Brock side, you can't take those last. You can't poo poo that away. You can't throw it away because it was it was there. And it was in the two biggest games of his career up to this point where, again, especially when you think about the way he played against Baltimore in the regular season, it was a moment thinking like, man, this guy really might not have it. Are the lights too bright? Well, you know, I know this is uh, this is a, a perfectly ironic time to have that conversation, but I don't think that in the greatest reality TV show in the history of people, an NFL football season, that the that the uh, the big finale has played out yet, and so people are getting ahead of themselves with one. Brock Purdy's the man. Let's see him on the biggest stage. Still one. Saw Dan Marino get those Super Bowl wearing a number 13 in his second season. That The rest of his career didn't work out the way I think most people would have anticipated based on that sophomore year. I know Brock Purdy is not Dan Marino. Um, one. And two, the other one is that people have declared by virtue of this victory, and I'm calling Patrick Mahomes, and I called him last week Thanos and all of that, but... I still think Patrick Mahomes has to win this game for him to be anointed the GOAT, the greatest that we've ever seen. Because if he loses to Brock Purdy in the Niners here, and he's 2-2 two and two in the Super Bowl, I think Tom Brady will still hold that title. At least, maybe it'll just delay the inevitable for Thanos uh, Mahomes. But I still think that Mahomes, the declarations, as you know, as I was laughing about online, with uh, Ben Axelrod uh, from Awful Announcing about um, on Sunday night is like, you knew this was coming. The Mahomes is the GOAT. It's already settled hash. Like, 
I think he has to win this Super Bowl at age 28 before we declare that it's settled fact, right? Or how say you? I mean, yeah, I, I'd say whether or not he wins or lose, I think it's delayed in the inevitable. Like, if his, his, he's 14 and three in the playoffs, Dave, straight up. He's 14 and three in the playoffs, straight up. That's insane. You know, like that's an insane marker. And, and, and so, like, when you look at that, Brady, well, what's Brady's postseason record? 35 and 13. So, he, also good. He's, <laughs> it's very good. But if you just double it up to 28 to six, then he he's right on, like, he's right on track, right? He's right on track to just zoom past all of these markers that we once thought were unassailable. And I think winning this Super Bowl obviously helps. But, you know, I think a team that could probably feel pretty good about getting back there would be the Kansas City Chiefs. Because, uh, like you said, drafting was a big key for them. The defense was a big key for them. Well, I have a feeling that they'll be spending a little bit more resources on the offensive side of the ball this offseason and get them a little more help because they did miss on Clyde edwards Uh in the first round. If you don't draft him and you get a, uh, you know, not not this this burns a, a LSU legend, but if you get a, you know, a functional running, you know, so a wide receiver out there who can go out there and really make a difference, you know, then there you there you have it with Kansas City. I think with She Rice and Travis Kelsey getting older, Mr. Taylor Swift. I mean, but still, it it this team all season did not look like it, it did not feel like the Kansas City of old. And I think that's a sign that you know that you are competing against yourself and not everybody else because everybody's talking about how much they're not scoring. Like they're still this. Still the three seats, still win the division, all of that. What, 12 wins in the regular season, but it's all about, but what does it look like? And when you're doing that, when you're already in that conversation, he's Dave, he's only five years in as a starter. It is. Listen, I'm not I, I'm not going to get into one of these death matches about Brady v. Mahomes because I remember 15 years ago when it was Brady v. Peyton and radio uh, hosts would fight each other. Yeah, what are you crazy? You think he's better than him? And blah, blah, blah. no, no, you're wrong because he's obviously better. Like, like, well, they're they're two of the five best we've ever seen, right? I mean, like, no, you're not insane in either direction, but it is a funny thing. And we do like to make our lists here on this show and sports fans like lists. And I know sports fans love them, in fact, because we love obsessing over the college football rankings and otherwise, and people in pro football do power rankings when there are existing standings that show us how they're power ranked. And yet people still can't help but try and power rank. So of course we're going to do that with quarterbacks in the quarterback league and the best of all time. I do think though, before we declare that Patrick Mahomes is bar none, the best we've ever seen, I think he would do well to win this game. And it is going to be, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the chiefs overtake the Niners as being the favorites. I think a lot of people now realize a month ago that they overlooked the reigning champions with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. And we'll try to write that in their pocketbook or wallet and, and bet the chiefs here and, and maybe swing KC to be in the favorite by the time it's uh, ready to roll. What? You know who took uh, a legacy loss on Sunday? Who? who? Lamar Jackson, man. If Lamar Jackson wins that AFC Championship game, go yes. ahead and fit him for the gold jacket, right? I think that's I think it's that simple. Like he's multiple time MVP, we presume the list of the list of guys to do that outside of Rodgers and Mahomes, who are still active players: Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Jim Brown, Brett Favre, Johnny U, Joe Montana, Kurt Warner, Steve Young. You know what they all have in common? They all have a gold jacket in their closet, right? And 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 I think that. 
assuming Lamar Jackson plays for another three or four years, his gold jacket is inevitable. What I think he's not going to get based on history. Again, they only give out the one Lombardi and Patrick Mahomes isn't just in the tournament. He's on your side of the bracket in that tournament and is going to be there for the next six to 12 years himself. So the when, when, when Romo and Olsen, everybody's like, ah, that kid's great and he's going to be back and he's going to have a shot at more Lombardis. They're only going to give out the one Lombardi every year. And there are all those other cats that are overlapping in their primes with you. The likelihood that Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert or the Lamar Jackson or Jalen Hurts or anyone else is going to get multiple Lombardis is overly optimistic because of each other and not just because Patrick Mahomes lords overall. I'm talking about all those cats are going to eliminate each other to the point that you you should be happy if you get the one chip along the course of your career, let alone with Patrick Mahomes consuming uh, rudely, in my opinion, so many of those. I mean, he's a hoarder at this point. Um, but OK, Lamar Jackson is fascinating. And I agree with you. He really needed that one in his sixth season. Now it gets much tougher for him, much tougher for Josh Allen, both drafted in 2018. And now a quick break. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Let's do some NFL, and I don't know if this is going to make Ravens fans feel better or worse, but let's dig in on it. A lot of people have said, so Baker Mayfield, your first overall draft pick in 2018. Josh Allen, a few down, and Josh Rosen is in that mix, and Sam Darnold goes three to the Jets, as we all know, and then way down there at the back end, look who falls in the Ravens' lap. As Joe Flacco running out the string, you know, he's, 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 he's no longer in his prime. There's Lamar Jackson. But of course, what do you make of this? Lamar Jackson could have been drafted. People talk in 2014 that Leonard Fournette was a mistake with the fourth overall pick in 20, I should say. The Jags in 2017 set themselves up with a pivotal piece to make a Super Bowl push with Blake Bortles. Bad as that is, and those hideous helmets, even worse. They draft Leonard Fournette fourth overall in 17. A mistake there, maybe, but the bigger mistake was drafting Haven Bryant in 2018, a couple months after they almost got to the Super Bowl, as you'll recall. Is that the critical mistake? And if the Jags write that mistake, how does NFL look different over the last, whatever it is, six years now? Well, I think the ultimate day, they just thought they had a burden hand with Blake Bortles and you should have taken a hard look and realized that that wasn't going to work out. Yes. Uh, it, it's fascinating to think that Lamar from Florida, by the way, would have loved to have played in Jacksonville, I imagine, because David Bryant, I was actually working at the NFL Network during this draft. And I remember cutting all the highlights for all these different players who were slated to go in the first round. And believe it or not, Dave, you may remember this. I remember it vividly because we always kind of ran the package of quarterbacks like 
four horsemen. It was like the four horsemen with Baker and Darnold mm-hmm. and Allen and Rosen. And I was like, dude, there's a guy who just won the Heisman not too long ago who's eligible for this draft, but he wasn't talked about in those, in those regards. So it's kind of obviously it's NFL. So it's hypothetically speaking, but if one other team could have gotten Lamar Jackson, I mean, just imagine if if uh, Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots hadn't taken Sony Michelle the pick before. That would have been something that would have been, I mean, uh, insane. Because here's the thing. I don't know. Is is Jacksonville kind of like like one of those teams like the Cowboys or like of the Cowboys the last 20 years where you just expect them to fall on their faces at some point when your expectations are high, all of a sudden it doesn't matter. Or like, you know, like, but... I mean, he obviously would have changed the. Uh, I mean, Lamar, a backfield with Lamar Jackson and Leonard Fournette would have well, been that's incredible. Right. The set people have looked back and said you shouldn't take a running back so high in the first round, and that was the Jags' mistake. But of course, Leonard Fournette was a huge factor in running that team as deep as he did in the 2017 season. That's exactly right. Eight with Fournette is a handful, and I guess the cautionary tale that people should look at is. If you have an incumbent QB, is he definitely the guy? Are you definitely sure that you can get away in the 21st century with hiding your quarterback in high leverage moments for year for, for year after year after year? It almost worked. You beat the Steelers. You almost beat the Patriots. But it's going to be diminishing returns. Or should you try to upgrade at the most important position? And I mentioned the Steelers. The Steelers also could have taken him to Lamar Jackson instead of Terrell Edmonds. And I do think the Jags, so that they are the cautionary tale. What becomes of that Jacksonville team with Lamar Jackson is very different than Blake Bortles. But what's really fascinating from this NFC North followers eyes, at least, is what if the Steelers had taken him? We know Roethlisberger wouldn't have liked it. He didn't like it when they drafted Mason Rudolph um, in the third. So obviously they wouldn't have been he wouldn't have been happy if they drafted somebody in the first round. Um, but for the sake of the organization, I think you can make a case the Steelers would have been better off. Although I don't oh, know that yeah. they would have. Yeah, but would they have definitely? Here's the thing. And as we sort of stretch from one franchise and across five years, it the 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 standard applies to Brock Purdy here. Like Brock Purdy is boy, we're gonna get this this is advanced and if Ellen. No, we're we're wide world if sports in here. I've said this before about the the paradox that is Kurt Rambis and Rick Fox. Those guys would not be rotational players on the worst NBA teams of their era. But they're starters when you're asking them to do just some stuff. Just sure. do, do, as Belichick would say, just do your job. They become essential members when you're surrounded by stars. That's kind of what Shanahan has done with Brock Purdy. If you put Brock Purdy on one of the 10 worst teams in the league, he would be one of the five worst quarterbacks. That's a weird thing to try and make sense of, right? I don't know. I would have agreed with you before yesterday. I would have agreed with you before yesterday. I have to push back. I think he's got to be at this point squarely in the middle, right? Like, like wherever you have Jared Goff ranked, I think you probably got Brock Purdy in the same, in a similar in a similar area. I like, think, I think so. well, needs- very different skill sets, though. Obviously, I mean Jared Goff's chief virtue is that live arm he's got. Brock Purdy ain't got that. 
it's weird. Like he he does have that thing that is uh, the the so called intangibles. He doesn't in the same way Brady didn't possess the big arm or or legs or anything. It's it, it it's more intellectual. It's more about what his eyes are seeing than it is his his physical attributes. But with Lamar Jackson, do you think so? If Lamar Jackson winds up, let's say, on the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2018, Roethlisberger keeps the gig in 2018 till he hurts his elbow. Is that that long ago that he hurt his elbow? Or is that 2019? Either way, um, what it does do, it takes Lamar Jackson off of the Ravens. What do you suppose happens to the Ravens if they don't? get Lamar Jackson in 2018 do they have to go to the draft in 2019 to re- to replace a fading Joe Flacco John Harbaugh by the way without Lamar Jackson arriving in his rookie season John Harbaugh and the Ravens have mutually agreed midway through the season to part ways then Flacco gets hurt then Lamar Jackson goes in there and he runs them into the playoffs and Harbaugh's job is saved Harbaugh would be gone so yes. who would be the head coach who would be the QB of the Baltimore Ravens for the last five years? I mean, I mean, you look down at like, just look at that draft. That was not a quarterback draft, right? Drew Locke second uh, going in that draft. And Kyler Murray obviously was the the, the crown He's possession. Number one, right. And sorry, I didn't mean to skip right over Daniel Jones there at six, but uh, wasn't a lot of great quarterback options in that, right. or in that class, right? Or, or Dwayne Haskins, true. Rest in peace. But, yeah, I think you're probably looking at them trying to go get a, a, a guy like Case Keenum, somebody because you're again you're at that point you're in save your job area, right? You're in save your job, and he was available at that point. Or Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, saying so one of these types of guys because, like you said, John Harbaugh and the Ravens they were on the outs at that period. In time. Oh, he would have been was, gone. It was done. It was not. It was not like I'm. I'm not speculating. It's a you can find the 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 press releases about it that like it's been a great run and we're gonna part ways and start fresh and all that and then Lamar Jackson interrupts all that so I think that Lamar Jackson could have interrupted the trajectory positively if he had gone to another NFL team but they would have definitely been pointed down they would have had a new coach for 2019 and like I say I think they would have the first move start of a new era they would have gotten a new QB to replace Flacco. And I think it would have been because Kyler Murray was number one overall. Um, and that was, you know, Cliff Kingsbury and all that, but they would have been bad with the Ravens. And so then they would have ascended. They were tracking in the wrong direction. They would have wound up with like Dwayne Haskins would have been their solution there. So very so different either, than the way things landed. Either that, or they sign a vet and they try to stay alive for the Joe Burrow Tua Tonga Vailoa tank for Tua Justin Herbert draft and see if they can pull out one of those cyborgs. Well, that's the other alternative. If we skip past the Jags and the Steelers, option three of teams that were in a spot and reasonably needed a QB. Now you can talk about Roethlisberger where he was in his career. It would have made some sense to have, uh, you know, much like Rodgers getting drafted under Favre and uh, and Love getting drafted under Rodgers. Steelers might have done well to draft Lamar Jackson to, you know, create a path for the next uh, for the next 15 years. But Short of doing that, Billy Price, the center, gets drafted by the Bungles in that spot. They obviously should have taken Lamar Jackson. They're glad they didn't because instead they got Joe Burrow. But if they take Lamar Jackson, they're obviously not taking Joe Burrow. So I wonder where Joe Burrow winds up with all this math. Oh, I love NFL in it with you. 
Great times, Martin Weiss. Um, congratulations again to the Niners, to the Chiefs. Enjoy your next week or two. This is it. These are the good times. If you are a KC and or San Francisco fan, speaking of which, shout out to our guest last week on Extra Points, our pal Paul Cohorst, the Dutch Mook. Very happy for the Niners, if only for the Mook. Hope he gets to celebrate a Niners victory there. And Martin Weiss, you and Gunnels are going to be celebrating, I assume, if he ever sobers up. And better yet, if he never sobers up, um, you guys are going to be talking a lot of Chiefs and uh, Niners and all that, plus some NBA stuff on Lemon Pepper Parlay. Make sure you're checking out that great podcast. Thanks for the time today, Martin Weiss. Thank you. Uh, thank you for allowing my uh, my my Detroit exodus, because I, I, was, I was a big Lions fan. And I actually, real quick, I had a bet with Nick Wright. Uh, I bet the Lions that would get farther than the Chiefs in the playoffs. And I texted him today, like, yo, send me your cash app. I'll, 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 I'm paying my bets. And this guy texted me back, keep it. Take your girl on a nice dinner and tell her Patrick Mahomes did this. It's like, I'm sick. Oh, what a, what a oh, sicko. What a sicko. That's emasculating is what that is. You think that that was a nice deed by him. That was him sticking it to you. What oh, he basically, no, I texted him back he, in the moment. He said, you're a jerk. Good for you. Good for you to know. I, I don't want you being anyone's dupe, Martin Weiss. What he did was pat you on the head and said, I hope you learned your lesson. That's what he said. That's exactly you. what happened. And I was sitting in that bar yesterday. I was like, damn it. This is exactly what is going to happen. Mm-hmm. But there mm-hmm. you He's go. trying to be. What he did was what Andy Reid did. Like, hey, I know we're all celebrating me and my team, but John Harbaugh, you're lucky to have him. Like, screw, get out of our town, you, you mean old coach. That's exactly what Nick Wright just did to you. But anyhow, uh, great stuff, Martin Weiss. Look forward to hearing your thoughts on uh, on all this, especially with Gunnell celebrating um, his Chiefs once again. And that's a wrap here on this episode of Minus Three. We'll be coming at you with Kevin Hench later in the week. Before then, extra points with me and Sarah Tiana, Eddie Spaghetti, and Jen Piacenti getting you right from a fantasy standpoint for the Super Bowl on Waiver Wired. Toby Mergler chopping it up on Trendy. And Toby Mergler and Brett on Covered in Glory. Check it all out. The Extra Points Network is rolling into the Super Bowl along with you. Until next time, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. <laughs>